Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. If you have your Bibles, really quickly go with me to the second book of Corinthians, chapter number three. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, this part of the service uh, message uh, for the last time today until the Holy Spirit says, do it again. Um, somebody say, say this with me, the veil of the law. I want to read something before I get into what I want to talk about today. I want to read something for you and then we'll get into the message, but I believe it will greatly bless you. Amen. How many of you enjoying the service already today? Hallelujah. Nothing like the presence of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, get ready. Um, John chapter 1, verse 17, which is the scripture I can quote. I love this scripture very much because it really depicts who Jesus is. Um, Jesus and and what we have reduced down to um, a subject, another subject like the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. We do teachings on stewardship and we do all kinds of teachings in the church. And inside one of those teachings, we throw this teaching of the subject of grace onto the shelf like it is just another teaching. And so what we're dealing with on the subject of grace is grace is not just a another teaching that we put on the shelf, along with a lot of other teachings on the subject, grace is a person. Somebody say grace is a person. person. Somebody say truth is a person. All right, so grace is not just a subject, grace is a person. Some of you are looking at me with big eyes right now. What are you talking about? Let's read here. It says here, for the law was given by Moses. Somebody say this, the law law. was given. But look at the difference here. It says, yeah, but. How many of you know that the but changes everything? And y'all know where I'm going right now with that but. All right? I usually say this in church when, because that's a but that justifies what I'm about to tell you. This is the only time in church that you're allowed to say this. I like big buts and I cannot lie. All right, it's okay, laugh. It's okay, it's all right. It says, yeah, Guys, really, honestly, I like big butts and I cannot lie. This is the but here that changes everything in the sentence. It says, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So the law was given. In other words, the law was handed to Moses. How many of you realise when then Moses went up to Mount Sinai, the law was engraved on stone, not just just, I'm talking about just the Ten Commandments. I'm not talking about the over 600 laws that were given. Do you know that the Bible actually talks that there was even a law on how you should go to the commode? Yes. yes. God was specific. Read it out for yourself. God was specific on how you needed to go to the commode. And He actually said, King James reads it the best in my opinion because it says, go out of the city gate, and take with thee a paddle and, you know, diggeth, I'm just exaggerating the King James Version, and diggeth for thyself a hole and then go ahead and get rid of that which cometh from thee and then cover it up afterwards. Why? Because God didn't want to go into the, sit into the camp and find any unclean thing. So there was actually a law about how you needed to go to the bathroom. Because God didn't want any unclean thing inside the camp. Are you with me? 
How many of you realise that if you look at that, you have no faith? I mean, how many of you, you know, the Bible says faith comes by the hearing and by the hearing of the Word of Christ, or y'all know that as the Word of God. Y'all will go, well, that's amazing. Faith comes. How many of you feel faith knowing how you needed to go to the commode before the cross? So obviously it's not faith inspiring to know how you needed to use the restroom, right? Okay, but there is a lot of faith because if you read the Word and you look for Jesus in the Word, then faith will come. So how does faith, re- how does faith come when you look for Jesus? How can I find Jesus hidden in the shadow in that Scripture? Amen. So I wanna go ahead and just lay a foundation. The way by which you read the Scripture must always be filtered through seeing Jesus in it. Every Scripture that we look at, we take it to the foot of the cross and we interpret it through the cross. Somebody say, all Scripture must be interpreted through the cross. And if I can't understand it, because remember, how many of you know that the cross is the dividing line that changed everything? Say that with me. The cross is the dividing line that changed everything. And if we don't have that revelation deeply instilled in us, then we're going to have a very confused mind about who our Heavenly Father is because we're going to attach things on how the Father deals with us in a new covenant with an old covenant mindset if we have not submitted the Scriptures through the cross. Are you with me? Did God change? No. How many of you know the Bible says, I am the Lord, your God, I change not. That doesn't mean that He doesn't take coins in an offering. All right. Said, I'm the Lord, your God, I change not. So God hasn't changed. So he hasn't changed, but guess what? He changed in the sense of every bit of injustice or every bit of justice that we deserved, every bit of judgment that we deserved was put on the body of Jesus Christ. All judgment was exhausted on the body of Jesus Christ. So God never changed. He just ex- executed His justice on the body of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. So He never changed, why? Because your everything that you deserved was paid for, Jesus took on the full penalty for you. Amen, come on now. Amen. So that leaves us on this side of the cross. You see, if you don't submit and subject everything through the cross, you're gonna come out on the other side having a warped understanding of who He is. Because in one hand, you will think on God's right hand, you will feel His loving caress. And then at the left hand, you will feel like He's about to whip you with the other. Are you with me? Somebody say this, all judgment was put upon the body of Jesus. Say everything that I deserved. Say everything I was guilty of. He paid the price for in His body. Somebody say, Amen. So the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So grace and truth, Jesus is grace and truth. The manifestation of truth is the full embodiment of Jesus. Grace is a person, the full embodiment. In other words, He manifests. Grace and truth are who He is. He is the Word of God all the way from the book of Genesis. When God spoke the Word, He was manifested. Yeah. 
Are you with me? Read the book of John. That He is the Word from the beginning to the end. Come on. He is the living Word. He is the manifestation of all truth. Say that with me. Jesus is the manifestation of all truth. Not only is He the manifestation of all truth, He is actually uh, the physical manifestation of the heart of the Father. I'll say that one more time. Not only is He the person of grace and truth, He is the physical manifestation of the heart of the Father revealed to us. Oh, There's so much in that statement. So how do we discover who He is if He is the manifestation of the heart of God revealed to us in the earth? And by the way, y'all have heard me say this for those of you that know me and have heard me speaking along these lines before, but I'll say it again for your own good so I can attach some Scripture to it. The book of Hebrews chapter number one, I believe it's in verse one and two, that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father or in uh, the real translation says He is the express image of the Father. In other words, we, we preach this so many times. How many of you remember in the Gospels, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. Jesus does not op- operate, not, not even one tittle, one iota. He does not operate outside of manifesting the heart of the Father before humanity. Let that sink in just for a second here. Think about that. What does that mean? That's great, wonderful, can we move on? Just think about it before I do that. Jesus is the manifestation of the heart of God. Jesus walking the earth is actually the expression of the will, the heart and the intentions of God in the earth as He is walking in a physical body. So where do we draw the revelation of what the Father looks like when we read the Scriptures? Jesus is the one we look to. Somebody say this, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. No, no, no. How much leaven does it take to leaven the lump? Second, uh, second uh, Solomon song, Songs of Solomon, chapter two, I think it's in verse 14 or 15. It says, yea, verily, don't you know that it's the small foxes, the small foxes that destroy the vine. A little, somebody say little. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So how much leaven does it take to leaven the lump? So how much leaven do we need in our spiritual walk for our walk or our perception of the Father to be tainted? How much do we need? Very little. And we put the Father so many times where He doesn't belong because we have not learnt to submit all truth 
to the person of Jesus Christ. And actually Jesus going to the cross was the fullness of the purpose and the intention of the Father for us. It's the pinnacle of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus before the cross is upholding two, He's, He's ushering in a brand new covenant but He's also upholding the old because He has to uphold the old perfectly in order for you and I to be redeemed. Somebody say Amen. Amen. So how do we know what the Father looks like? We look to Jesus. If what we believe about God does not line up with how Jesus manifested Him, your doctrine has to change and you do not take your doctrine to fit your own ideology. Anybody in the house? So many of us, instead of turning around and submitting to the Word, we turn the Word around to submit what we have to teach. Come on. And listen, you can make the Bible say just about anything you want to say. But it doesn't mean you're rightly dividing it. (laughs) Amen. And by the way, for that matter, just so that you know, somebody say that rightly dividing. Rightly dividing the word of truth is actually talking about separating the old from the new. Are you with me? Somebody say, Jesus Jesus. made the difference. difference. Come on, I mean, I'm just getting warmed up here. Listen to me right now. So the law was given, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through a servant and grace and truth came through the Son. Are you with me? The law talks about what man ought to be and grace reveals who God is. In the first miracle of Moses, he turned the water into blood resulting in death. And in the first miracle of Jesus, he turned the water into wine resulting in life and celebration. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Come on, I love the parallels that are so clearly there in Scripture. Can you imagine the first miracle of Moses turning the water into blood and people died everywhere? How many of you remember that? The first miracle of Jesus, he takes, he's at the wedding. He actually says to his mother, my time has not yet come. But guess what? Mary says to to everybody, just do whatever he says. And he turns the water into wine. In fact, uh, you know, the main guy at at the wedding says, listen, normally everybody saves the worst of the wines till afterwards, but you've saved the best for last. Can you even begin to compare, come on, are you with me? The, the first bit of wine to the second bit of wine, you can't even compare. There's another picture of the Lord and the new covenant. Right there, old covenant, new covenant. Jesus saves the best for last. But it resulted in life and celebration. Come on, somebody say this. What do you mean? The, the, you know, uh, the law, under the law, things were, there was a lot of death. Are you with me? In fact, the Apostle Paul, we've opened up to the book of Corinthians. The Bible says that the, that, that the law was the ministry of death. Paul called the law the ministry of death engraved on stones. 
Stick with me here. Under the law, God demanded righteousness from sinfully bankrupt men. And under grace, God provides righteousness as a gift. Did you hear what I just said? Somebody say righteousness Righteousness. has been imputed imputed. to me as a gift. So how many of you are righteous apart from Jesus giving that righteousness to you as a gift? None of you. So we really aren't all that in a bag of chips now, are we? Come on, I'm telling you, Jesus has removed every single part of this whole thing so that we can come to Him naked. In other words, the posture of, listen, I come humbly before you. Everything that I am is because of you. Nothing that I am is because of me. Nothing that I am, nothing you've given to me is because of me. It is all because of you. If I have to do this in myself, I will be found wanting. I will not stack up to a hill of beans. So what does that do for me? That encourages me to rest in what He's given to me and not try to make it happen out of my own flesh. Amen? I'm gonna move on here in just a second. Do you know that the Jewish people celebrate in a sense their own Pentecost? I'm talking about the Jewish people. Do you know that there is approximately from the time that the children of Israel departed from Egypt to the time that Moses came down from from Mount Sinai was approximately 50 days. Anybody? And that was their own Pentecost when the law was given but it's approximately 50 days from the time that they left Egypt until the law was given. What am I trying to get at here? When the law was given, approximately 3,000 people died. What happened when Moses came down the first time with the tablets? And what happened to 3,000 people died? Why am I telling you this? Is that we also, as members of the new covenant, we celebrate Pentecost, which is 50 days from the, from, from the time Jesus ascended to the time that the Holy Spirit showed up on Pentecost, like a mighty rushing wind where the whole place was shaken. And guess what? The law, when the law was given, 3,000 people died. But when Pentecost showed up and Peter got up to preach, guess what the Bible says? 3,000 people were added to the kingdom. Why? Because grace produces life. Grace has become a four-letter cuss word in the church. Because the moment you deal with the subject of grace, everybody wants to jump right down your throat and tell you, you can't preach about grace because you're going to give people a license to sin. 
But can't we see and recognise that that would be the ultimate plan of the enemy to rob you from the only thing that gives you power to be free from sin? So the very thing we attack is the very thing we need to have a life of victory. Come on, somebody. So I'm not afraid to talk about the grace of God. I'm not afraid to preach the liberty of the finished work of Jesus to see people set free from the yoke of religion in the church world so that they can come into freedom. Somebody say this, freedom Freedom. is freedom freedom. because Because. that's what freedom means. That was deep, wasn't it? Somebody say this, I am free. I'll say it like you believe it. Say, I am free. Oh, you should be excited about the fact that you're free. Now, how many of you love Jesus? All right, okay, that's a lot of you. Now, how many of you are free? So you both love Jesus and you're free, right? Now, how many of you are using your freedom to sin? No, why? None of you are using your freedom to sin because guess what? You are so in love with what Jesus did for you. You love Him because He first loved you. While you were yet a sinner, He died for you. And the revelation of what He did for you before you could even come and say sorry. He loved you and He forgave you before you could even say sorry. You are so amazed at His goodness for you that you don't want, there is no desire. Why? Because something on the inside of you is wanting to, erupt from you to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. God is not looking for people who are obeying a set of instructions. He is looking for a people who live this gospel out from the heart. God is not interested in external circumcision. He is only interested in your freedom where you have been circumcised and He leaves you completely free. And with that freedom, you say, God, I wanna give you my life. There's no manipulation in that, none. That's called authentic Christianity. We're not the church of the fake over here. We're the church of the authentic. We're a church where, 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 where people make mistakes and we're not here to cover for anybody's mistakes, but we are, listen, as long as you live in a body, you have the flesh that you have to contend with. Nobody will ever wake up one day and say, I'm finally done with my flesh because as long as you live in your body, your body is going to want to fight with you to do what it wants. And we're all going to have issues. Now that doesn't say, okay, well, I know that I'm gonna have issues. So now I'm just gonna go ahead and, you know, well, 
give up. The, but, but really the way, the way to overcoming is not by focusing on how to get out of the mess. You focusing on how to get out of your mess won't make you any more freer and cause the righteousness of God to work for you. You can't do it in yourself. So that's the whole thing. Jesus became your righteousness for you because He knew that you would never be able to live in perfect righteousness. That's why He came in the first place. So what did He do? He became your righteousness for you. So the way to get out of something that you are dealing with is not by focusing on trying to be free from it, it's by focusing on what He made you to be. When He communicates with you, He communicates with you and He says, that's not who you are any longer. You were once that way, but you are a brand new creation in Christ. And the more you focus on what He's made you to be, the power of God's almighty grace goes to work for you. And the things that you're having a problem getting free from begin to fade away. And by the way, since we're talking about grace and I mentioned license to sin, nobody ever needed a license to sin. Because people under the law sin, they didn't need a license to sin. P- people that are, that are living by absolute law are still sinning. Are you with me? So grace doesn't give anybody a license to sin. Somebody say that the grace of God, grace of God. is not designed to give a license to sin. Say this with me, the grace of God is the only thing that will produce in me full freedom from every sin. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise. Is this liberating anybody here today? Because I don't know what's being peddled out there. And I'm, you know, last week, for those of you that were here, I mean, I know my passion levels were on a scale of 99 <laughs> over 10. You know, you have the rating on a, on a scale of one to 10, how passionate are you? I was at a 99. And I just wanna reinforce this fact. I, I am passionate and I don't ever want my passion to ever be mistaken for anger. If there is anything I'm angry at, is seeing people bound up by religion. And by the way, the Bible says you can be angry, but the Bible also says sin not. It's a righteous indignation. I don't take it lightly when I see people bound up by wrong thinking and wrong teaching that I become very frustrated. Why? Because I see birds in cages in, in, in a picture. If I can paint a picture for you, I see a bird in a cage that needs to come out of that cage and to be freed. And I'm frustrated because I'm trying to rattle the cage until the bird wants to get out. I'm fighting for people's freedom and people wanna fight me to stay inside the cage. No, 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 Paul the Apostle, think about it. Paul's biggest frustration, Paul had, you mean Paul was frustrated? Yes, Paul was frustrated. Paul's biggest frustration was keeping the early church from going back under Judaism and going back to sacrificing animals all over again and going back under the law. He was frustrated. 
That's why he said, I travail that Christ be formed in you. He was saying, I'm carrying a burden. You are, you, are, you are wrestling with people that are trying to take you under the law. And you what have you not understood that it was for freedom that Christ has set you free? Have you not understood? Why is it that you're allowing yourself to go back and, and observe a shadow? I, 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 as much as you're looking at me like this right now, I am in a flow right now. I am in a flow and I can tell you what that flow tells me right now. It tells me that the veil of limitation and blindness to dead religion has been lifted and the anointing of God is able to penetrate your heart and mind this morning to where you walk out of this door, you're gonna go, oh my goodness, I need to rethink some things. And the lipness test, how many of you know what a lipness test is? In other words, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way that we measure for something. So how do we measure today's service and if, we, what, if what we're hearing is from the Lord? How do we measure if you, if you wanna know that you found truth and you're hearing truth today? Through the Word. But, then, but ask, always ask yourself, who is being exalted? Who is being exalted? Jesus. Who is at the centre of this message? Jesus. Why? Because you're hearing a message that's saying it's all about Him and it's got nothing to do with you if you would actually listen correctly. Amen. We like to have it be a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of me. Ah, leaven, leavens the whole lump. A little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. So let me remind you again so that we can make sure that you hear loud and clear. Jesus is at the centre of the gospel that we preach here. And I say the gospel we preach because I don't know what else is being preached out there, but the gospel we preach from this platform will have Jesus at the helm of the ship. And if you've got a problem with that, you don't have a problem with me, you have a problem with Jesus. That's a good time to clap. Well done, EC. For real, come on, y'all. I tell you what, I am, I don't know about you, but look, look, I'm just telling you, I am free as a bee. I'm so free. I'm free, 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 free. And I want you to be free, free, free like me. It's too late to change my mind. I'm already free. You're not gonna change me. Jesus has already got a hold of me and I'm making it all about Him. And it's a whole lot better than making it all about you. Get rid of yourself. 
I just love to stand up here and get out of the way so that he gets in the way. He's welcome to interrupt me anytime. The Holy Spirit can show up right now and drop like an atomic bomb in this place anytime. We are not putting man's structure on this and oh, I feel the glory of God and I'm telling you, we are seeing a move of the Spirit. The freedom of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is being proclaimed right here in Lafayette, Louisiana and people are coming from the north, the east, the south and the west to hear a message of liberty. And that's what we're called to do. What am I supposed to be called to do? You are called to point to Jesus, that's it. You are not called to put people on the treadmill of performance to tell them that's the way you got your anointing. If you wanna be just as spiritual as I am, then I'm gonna write down a to-do list for you so that you can do exactly what I did. And if you will obey every jot and tittle, you will have the anointing just like me, glory to God. (laughs) Oh no, the, the heat just got turned up in the kitchen. Come on. Hey, and I say that with the spirit of love because I've been there. I've been there. There's no condemnation to you. I've been there. But set yourself free from yourself. Climb down of that ladder wherever you climbed up and whatever you think about you, get off of it. Humble yourself. It's got nothing to do with you. Say that with me. It's got nothing to do with me. You are anointed independent of your abilities and, 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 and creativities. You are anointed of Him because Christ has anointed you because of His anointing. And all we get to do is say, thank you for the anointing you place upon my life. Lord, with this anointing, I will put you first and I will tell everybody in like manner to do the same, that the anointing is of you and impart that, not yourself. Stop imparting some of you and some of Him. This church, Jesus is building. Why? Because we're letting Him build the church. And that's a great position to be in. Because if we try to build it on ourselves, it will be a very difficult thing. In other words, we're gonna have to work really hard to maintain what we do of the flesh. What is born of the flesh must be maintained by the flesh. What is born of the strength of man must be maintained by the strength of man. And let me tell you right now, there is a lot that is born by the strength of man that man is putting up. Come on, how many of you realise that if you go out there and start a business, you have to maintain that business. Otherwise the business is gonna go under. Are you with me? The kingdom of of God is not a business that we should be working on. We let Jesus build His church and people listen to the clarion call of heaven and they come and say, guess what? He builds it, I'm not responsible to build it. I've got to trust Him to build. I am sweating like a, like a professional sweats on a hard day of a workout. 
So usually after church, I like hugging people. Refrain today, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm done here, but, but uh, <laughs> sorry, we didn't get to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But just read it for yourself. Read it from, chapter, from verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter, one, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. You will actually see it starts talking covenant language. It's talking in covenants. We've got to know what was available to us. We've also got to know that everything in the old is still available to us. How we manifest the old changed. That's all. Why? Because we, listen, the prophets of, you know, and and let me say this, and, and I'll end off with this just to provoke you one more time. There's a beautiful song that says, these are the days of Elijah. Now, please, before you get excited, don't. Don't get too excited right now. And it's great sounding. There's a lot of stuff that's great sound. And I'm not knocking anything. Just listen to what I'm about to tell you. Just say this with me. These are not the days of Elijah. What do you mean these are not the days of Elijah? Well, the prophets of old said themselves that they would have given anything to be alive for such a time as this. So we're singing about these are the days of Elijah when we're living in the days of Jesus. As far as I know, living in the days of Jesus is far greater than living in the days of Elijah. Oh, I mean, that didn't go down too well. Are we, so, no, 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 no. But yet we preach something that exalts a prophet over the prophet Jesus. We hold the prophets in higher esteem. We preach things that hold them in higher esteem than the one. And that was just a shadow of the things to come and Jesus is the substance. But we glorify the shadow greater than the substance by the way that we teach. Anybody? Hallelujah. So my job is not to back down from preaching the freedom of the God. You know, there's only one gospel, right? There's only, somebody say that, only one gospel. And you know what Paul said about the fact that it was only one gospel? He said, if anybody or even an angel. He said, if anybody or even an angel come before you and preach something different than what I have preached to you. He said, let him be accursed. And his warning was pretty big. And he said it again, I tell you. If anybody come or even an angel preach to you something outside of what I'm telling you, even if it's an angel, let him be accursed. That's a tall order. Because Paul carried a revelation. And if you read the epistles of Paul, his whole message was centered on the exaltation of Jesus and what Jesus did. Man removed, Christ exalted. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but now Christ that lives in me. That was the message of the Apostle Paul. So he wasn't there as a representative of himself. 
He was there as a representative of Jesus. In other words, what was Paul doing? And this is my conclusion. What was Paul doing? Paul was doing exactly what Jesus did. (laughs) What do you mean he was doing exactly what Jesus did? Jesus existed for the will of the Father and the will of the Father alone. Jesus never, he was dead to any agenda except to represent, represent and emanate the Father perfectly and what he was looked like and what he looked like. He didn't operate outside of that. He wasn't there to say, look at me. Hey, I'm the son of God. I'm gonna quickly run on water for them to believe in me right now. I'm supernatural. I can do anything. He didn't do it. He, he could have, but he didn't. The ministry of, of Jesus was to represent the Father. He was the exact representation of the Father. The ministry of the Apostle Paul was to represent the ministry of Jesus, not himself. And that is our ministry. The same way. We've been given the same ministry of the Apostle Paul to represent him and nothing else. He says in Corinthians, he says, he says this, he says, I didn't come to you with the philosophies of man. I didn't come to you to try and impress you with all my theological knowledge of which he had. I mean, he could probably recite the whole of, of the law in backwards, frontwards, with, uh, with um, all punctuation. Paul was a very intelligent man. He said, I didn't come to you to try and win you, win you at the level of your mind. I didn't come. He says, in fact, he says, I come with fear and with trembling. In other words, he is very conscious and he is walking in a revelation that makes sure he is conscious of the fact that whatever I say to those who I'm preaching to, let it never be that they will hear or interpret something that will leave any emphasis of me. He's walking in a fear and a consciousness of that revelation. He's saying that whenever I come, I'm not coming to represent myself, but I'm coming to rip that your faith. In fact, he says that your faith might rest in the wisdom of God and not in the wisdom of men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise. Um, Now, I want to encourage you because, you know, uh, we have offering envelopes over here. If you are giving today, make sure just make sure you're giving to Destiny Revival Ministries or DRM if you're writing out checks. Otherwise, there's cash envelopes. If you want to, you can go to destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Give Today button. And you can give safely and securely. And then lastly, if you have a cell phone um, and a smartphone, you can text the word GIVE to 337-434-3777. That's 434, uh, 337-434-3777. Text the word GIVE to that number. You'll get a link where you can give safely and securely. Um, And so just go ahead and do that if you are prepared to give today.